This work in progress is released under a Creative Commons license. The following Still Ripples podcast is dedicated to all those living in confusion, who are in pain, and who are searching. He who has ears, let him hear. This week on Still Ripples, Alehu gives reproof to Job's righteousness. and welcome this week's Still Ripples. I'm Greg. And I'm Brian. We are still going through the book of Job. We're almost uh, to the end. In fact, uh, we have one of getting to the end of Alehu's discussion with Job. Um, so Brian, why don't you give us kind of a, a rundown up to this point? Okay, uh, as we saw in our previous uh, podcast, uh, Alehu actually gave, he listed two of Job's complaints to be discussed. So we covered that a little bit. And also, Alehu presented three arguments to prove that there is no injustice with God. And so that kind of gives you an idea of what we talked about last week. And if you want to go more specifically, of course, let's check, check out the episode. Yeah, yeah check out, check, <laughs> actually, check out the episode, yeah. But uh, as far as what you can expect this uh, week in reference to how the different translations entitle this, the New American Standard Bible, which we're going to be reading out of this week, calls this section, Elihu sharply reproves Job. The New King James Version entitles it, Elihu condemns self-righteousness. The New Living Translation entitles it, Elihu reminds Job of God's justice. The English Standard Version titles it, Elihu condemns Job. The God's Word Translation breaks it up into two parts, verses 1 through 4. Elihu continues, I will answer you and, and your friends, Job. Verses 5 through 16, human behavior cannot change God. The Message Bible entitles it, Elihu's Third Speech When God Makes Creation a Classroom. And the Net Bible gives it one title, Elihu's Third Speech. So, all right, well, let's dive on in. Job chapter 35. Then Elihu continued and said, Do you think this is according to justice? Do you say, my righteousness is more than God's? For you say, what advantage will it be to you? What profit will I have more than if I had sinned? I will answer you and your friends with you. Look at the heavens and see, and behold the clouds, they are higher than you. If you have sinned, what do you accomplish against him? And if your transgressions are many, what do you do to him? If you are righteous, what do you give to him? Or what does he receive from your hand? Your wickedness is for a man like yourself, and your righteousness is for a son of man. Uh, this is a very short chapter, so uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, stop right there. Uh, you know, starting off, and uh, Brian and I kind of had a discussion about this beforehand. The way that Alehu is addressing Job is a little bit sharper, yeah. uh, a little more harsh 
than uh, some of the previous uh, discussions that have been made. And sometimes that's what what is needed mm-hmm. uh, when bringing uh, reproach to a, bro- a fellow brother in Christ. Is sometimes you have to have that sharpness. Um, you know, you bring it with compassion and with a loving heart, but it's sharp and to the point. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes it, it coincides with the person and their personality and everything, mm-hmm. but but sometimes even on the flip side, it coincides with the state of their walk or where mm-hmm. they are in their walk. Sometimes a more compassionate hand could help, mm-hmm. but sometimes you reach a point where it takes a bluntness, it takes a sharpness to actually bring you back from the edge because mm-hmm. there's been so much... Uh, inconsistency in your life or, or so much doling of the senses uh, of the spiritual sense because of sin in your life and mm-hmm. and at times it takes that bluntness i mean sometimes uh you know i notice that with my own family you know my parents there'll be things that i do and they'll be like well you know you shouldn't do that and da 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 and there's other times where they're more sharper mm-hmm. because of of where the state of my walk is uh, you know when i was growing up oh yeah you know i i can relate it to um the difference between being told hey you really shouldn't do that mm-hmm. and you know getting swatted getting yeah. getting you know a more physical approach in that and you know, sometimes that's all we need is a sharp mm-hmm. word, and sometimes we need a compassionate word. Mm-hmm. Um, and as as fellow believers, you know, we should you know look to the Holy Spirit to see what is needed at that time. Mm-hmm. And you know, starting it out here, uh, Alehu is <clears throat> comparing Job's righteousness to that of God, and he's saying you're nowhere near. Righteous, you may proclaim yourself to be righteous, but it's God who is righteous. Yeah, it goes back into you know mm-hmm. in Scripture where it says, "My way." When God is talking to you know man, and He says, mm-hmm. "My ways are not your ways." Mm-hmm. So many other words can be put in that, kind of like you know, my righteousness is not your righteousness. Exactly. I mean, whatever we think is the greatest possible thing that we can do, mm-hmm. or within our own self righteousness, God is so much higher. He's so mm-hmm. much greater than ourselves, and. And uh, you know that that's definitely a word or a, or a a, um, a concept that we mm-hmm. have to grasp as as believers that that and I, and I love how he uses what can be seen as sometimes simplistic mm-hmm. arguments, but there is there's so much wisdom behind mm-hmm. it when he says something like "And behold, the clouds are higher than you." Mm-hmm. When you think about this, sometimes uh, you know, especially before we. Uh, humble ourselves and commit ourselves to God, you know, and we, we try to measure ourselves as the greatest of all possible things. And we forget to look around and say, well, you know, something like the clouds is higher than me. Something is, mm-hmm. you know, the stars in the sky, they're higher than me. They're greater than me in that sense because, you know, they're full of all that energy and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we don't think of that. We think, well, you know, hey, I'm a thinking being. I'm, I'm greater than all the animals here. I've named the animals and, you know... We, we we place ourselves up there but but that, I mean that's it's such a simple concept to read that but there's there is that wisdom in there mm-hmm. to it makes you think well if they're higher than me then they're greater than me you know you know in that sense yeah well and it also you know when he starts it out uh, you know do you say my righteousness is more than God's and sometimes we get in that mindset that we know better than God yes that we yeah. are you know the choices we make, are better than the choices that God yeah. has for yeah, us. Well, I'm in the situation, so, well, you know, I know better than God yeah. type thing. And it's like, well, you know, God's, 
he's there. He created me and everything. He's mm-hmm. got a wisdom that surpasses all others. I think that he would know better. Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's kind of the the angle that Elihu is coming at Job in is saying, you know, you proclaim to be righteous, but how much more righteous is God? You know, look to the heavens. The clouds are way above you. The, it. Uh, one commentator, you know, he said he uses uh, that argument to show just how big of a distance gap there is between uh, the clouds and man. And like Brian said, he used more of a physical description, something that could be, you know, physically seen. So one, one of the commentators I was looking at uh, titles part of this um, verses 1 through 3 of Job's con- uh, inconsistency so in these verses you can see uh, Elihu making this argument that, that, that there's some sort of inconsistency in what Job has been saying when we move on to the, the next few verses uh, verses 4 through 8 this uh, I, I was reading today that uh, this one author was calling it saying this is he, he compares this to man's inability to affect God uh, to affect God because of God's greatness and really, that's true because we got to think about that. If we were able to, you know, affect God in, in a sense, it's it's like there's a deficiency there or whatever. You know, God created us. God has the full and the and certainly the best word uh, besides power, besides greatness and righteousness and everything. He has the sovereignty. Mm-hmm. He has the sovereignty to affect all you know all of this, all of existence. I mean, man is just mm-hmm. a little ripple or whatever yeah. for in a, in a sense. But when it comes to God, I mean. He's transcendent. That's mm-hmm. a that's a that's a word that's often been focused on in, in, throughout theology. He's transcendent. He he exists outside of all this and acts within all this and everything. So we we don't affect God. He affects mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you know there are scriptures that uh, people may try to argue the fact that we do affect God. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, it's not man affecting God, it's God's sovereignty, as Brian was saying, to allow for there to be a chance. Like uh, when Abraham was trying to save the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, if if there are ten righteous people, and he even whittled it down, mm-hmm. uh, kind of in, in a bargaining sense, what if there are ten people, if there's ten people and God agreed, okay, if there are ten righteous people, then I won't destroy the city. But that's not... Lot, or sorry, that's not Abraham uh, uh, manipulating God. It's God's sovereignty to say, if you can produce this, then yes, hmm. I will spare it. You know, of course, he, he couldn't find that, but, you know, it's it's that same thing. Again, we don't control God. Yeah, We have choices that affect things. You know, God may, God has a path for each one of us. But we make that choice, are we going to follow that path, or are we going to you know, go over here and do whatever we want, and have that, well, turn out how it turns out. <laughs> yeah, in, in the sense that his will is absolute regardless of, of mm-hmm. uh, how we act. I mean, his will is going to be what occurs. But uh, there, there's another way you can look at this. Uh, you know, sometimes people are, uh, get caught up in the idea that, that how we act, you know, our <laughs> righteousness... Uh, affects God, you know, mm-hmm. or in, in a sense that uh, our righteousness affects and in, in how He makes His decisions or whatever, or our our wickedness actually hurts or you know mm-hmm. injures God. But but the thing is, 
you know, a person's wickedness or righteousness affects only man, not God. You know, when God shows mercy, is not because he's persuaded mm -hmm. to show mercy. We don't persuade God because Scripture says, you know, I will show mercy on who I will show mercy. I mean, we know that, that it is God's sovereignty because if we affected God in that sense, he's not sovereign. Mm -hmm. God has to be sovereign to make a decision, you know, to, to, to decide or discern what his will is going to be for us, for our lives or whatever. So, so he is sovereign in that. And, you know, he doesn't, in, in, you know, inflict his judgment uh, just because or, or because man has injured him. Man hasn't injured God. Mm -hmm. God is acting in accordance to his nature. God is a holy God. And so if man sins, God in his uh, sovereignty then will punish that mm -hmm. sin. But of course, if man then you know, uh, you know, seeks after Christ and everything, God in his sovereignty will give yeah. mercy or whatever. But but again, God God is the one that, that decides, you know, mercy or judgment, mm -hmm. not man. And looking back on uh, Job's friends, you know, they took that to the extreme that, you know, if you act righteously, then great things will happen. If you act wicked, then bad things will happen. But, you know, we established early on in this in the book of Job that it's not always that way. Mm -hmm. And God works in his own time, in his own way, um, on levels that transcend even even our comprehension. Um, you know, just because somebody has everything doesn't mean that they're happy. It doesn't mean that they truly have everything. I like, uh, and pardon me for not having uh, this author's uh, name down, but here's a quote that kind of brings more of what we're seeing into light. <clears throat> he said, When God shows mercy, it's not because man has persuaded him to do so, and if he inflicts judgment, it's not because man has injured him. And those are some of the words I use. I was paraphrasing. Uh, God is sovereign and therefore self-determining. He is not bribed by man. His standards for judging people are firm, impartial, and uninfluenced. But since a person's moral contact does, uh, does affect himself, it does not make a difference to, uh, for him whether he sins or not. So, and as we can see, God is uh, sovereign, and that is definitely the theme that you're going to see throughout here. Continuing on in uh, verse 9. Because of the multitude of oppressions, they cry out. They cry for help because of the arm of the mighty, but no one says, Where is God my maker, who gives songs in the night, who teaches us more than the beasts of the earth, and makes us wiser than the birds of the heavens? Excuse me. There they cry out, but he, but he, excuse me, but he does not answer because of the pride of evil men. Surely God will not listen to an empty cry, nor all, nor will the Almighty regard it. How much less when you say you do not behold Him? The case is before Him, and you must wait for Him. And now, because He is not visited in His anger, nor has He acknowledged transgression well, so Job opens his mouth emptily. Uh, yeah, he multiplies words without knowledge. So in this sense, you're starting to see uh, man's inability to influence God because of man's pride mm -hmm. as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, and you know that's really from Job's point of view, and that's kind of been Elihu's discussion to Job. Is you know Job's proclaiming to be. He's asking the question, why? Because he, he sees himself as a righteous man, as an upstanding man, as a, as a justified man who's come under these ill circumstances. And here, Elihu, uh, you know, verse 13, Surely God will not listen to an empty cry, uh, nor will the Almighty regard it, you know. 
if when you cry out to God, why are you crying out? What what is the uh, lack of a better term? What is the meat of the reason that you're you're crying out? Is it is it empty? Are you just crying out because you have to, or are you crying out because you earnestly are seeking after Him? Um, and that's a good way to look at mm-hmm. it. You know, as why are you crying out? Mm-hmm. And I like uh, one thing I was reading earlier. Uh, you know, people tend to cry out when they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. I mean, do they cry out with praises to God when things are going good? No, not always. No, mm-hmm. not at all. Uh, oftentimes, we cry out to God, and it's in a very, uh, it's in mm-hmm. an undertone, really. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of disrespectful oftentimes when we cry out because it isn't an acknowledgement as Him as our Maker, as mm-hmm. our Creator, as Sovereign God, but it's it's in many ways as we're crying out, you know, why are you doing this to me mm-hmm. type thing. It's very disrespectful. Well, we, it's not an acknowledgement of who he is, mm-hmm. but what we put on him and what we expect him to be. Mm-hmm. Which that goes back to something we've used a lot of times in the, in, in the podcast, and he's not a magic lamp. Mm-hmm. He's not the magic lamp God of, okay, everything's going bad. I've got to go back to the, the magic lamp of God and rub the lamp and say, why is this happening? Fix it now so I can get on with my life. You know, that, that truly is an empty cry. And, you know, Brian makes a good point. Um... You know, do we give praise to God in the wonderful times? Do we do we offer praise to God even in the worst of times? You know, that's that's another thing to look at. Is just because we're in a struggling, trying time. You know, even uh, Paul was imprisoned a majority of his ministry, but he still gave praises to God uh, in the name of Jesus constantly. You know, that's where he found himself. It, it wasn't an empty cry. He was he was crying out to God with everything that he had in praise. He counted all of his misfortunes as as, as glory. And, and and here's the thing to think about. Since this section is kind of this, this part of it, to you know follow uh, one of the commentaries that I was reading, if this section is over pride, we have to ask ourselves, what, what fills our heart if it's not with praise, reverence, you know, joy towards God, love towards God and everything, what fills it, if it's not those things, it's going to be pride. Mm-hmm. And so a prideful heart is ha- uh, produces an empty cry. And that's mm-hmm. what, you know, some of what it's talking about because we're not crying to God out of reverence, you know, as the scripture says, mm-hmm. you know, uh, where your treasure is, that's where, that's where your heart will be also. And that's kind of taking that out of context. Mm-hmm. But that is, that is so true because if our heart is filled with pride, what we offer up to God isn't going to be much. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like the Pharisee when uh, you know when he prayed and he said, you know, thank you for not making me like this person or whatever over here. Mm-hmm. And and that's a prideful prayer right mm-hmm. there. That's not a, a humble, reverent prayer mm-hmm. to God and 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 giving joy and praising Him. And that's what we need to look at. So you know, examine in ourselves when we pray, when we offer up praises. When we're asking for help from God, is mm-hmm. it coming from a place of pride or coming from a place of humility and acknowledging who mm-hmm. He is and that He is sovereign? Well, and that's, you know, pride in and of itself is self-righteousness. It's yeah. it's kind of a deserving mentality of, I don't deserve this, I don't deserve that, or I do deserve this, I do deserve that. And, you know, that can be a very slippery slope, especially, you know, and that's what... Uh, what Elihu is alluding to to Job is, you know, Job, you're a, you're a, a decent person, you're a good person, but you're a little self-righteous, you're a little 
you're you're going overboard in saying this. You're you're giving empty cries to God. Um, you know, bringing your case before Him. You know, uh, you know how many, how much less uh, in verse 14? How much less when you say you do not behold Him? The case is before Him, and you must wait for Him. God knows what's going on. Um, one of the things that we struggle with a lot of times is patience. Mm-hmm. You know, you whether it's through the good times or even the bad times, um, patience is something that we need to practice constantly. Um, because there are going to be times that we, we cry out to God and we don't hear an instant answer. Yeah. And what what's scary is sometimes when we don't hear that answer, it's like, okay, well, I didn't hear a no. So that must mean yes. Yeah, yeah. The lack of a no means a yes. Yes, yes. yes. That's really a, that's definitely a reflex that uh-huh. we have. Or and, and we used to try. We used, I mean, we used to do that with our parents and stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, if I ask low enough, and they don't hear it or whatever. Oh, that means yes. Let me do it. And it's like no. And it, it works this the other way too. Just because um, you didn't hear no doesn't mean it's a yes. Just because you didn't hear a yes doesn't mean it's a no. You know, God has His perfect time, and it's sometimes that patience of not right now. Well, yeah. I mean, what, what I mean, what does Scripture say? I'm trying to paraphrase it a little bit, but it says, you know, you know, you receive it not because you ask amiss or whatever. You know, sometimes when we ask, we're asking for the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, asking for the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong way. It doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan for us later down the road. You know, it's it's just like uh, finding uh, your perfect mate to find the person that you're going to marry. You don't want to just instantly say, is this the one? Okay, God didn't say no. Jump into it. There's there's a building process there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's taking that time to getting to know that person, and it's that patience. It's taking that time. You know, same thing can be said in our, in our everyday walk with Christ. It's that constant growing and getting closer to Him, and there's going to be times that you can hear the voice of God telling you yes and no. There'll be other times that there's silence, and it's what do we do in that silence that, in a, in a way, really defines who we are in Christ and where our faith levels are. Before we wrap it up, I just want to step back for just a second to to kind of give you some clarification on some. You know, earlier when we were talking about uh, you know whether or not you can affect God, I know that some of that can come off as well. You know, well, you know what about the you know compassion of God and everything, and. Uh, by effect, what I'm talking about, or what we're talking about, is you know, you know, when when you're learning as a human being, when you're learning and stuff, there are people that can affect your character and and, and help grow who you are, or or actually kind of tear down who you are. And you know, going to God, we can't do that. But there, uh, but you know, going down uh, a little bit, what I what I do want to say is, yeah, you know, God is not affected by that because God's character stays the same regardless because He's a holy God. But one thing that uh, that I want to mention that you can see God's uh, in God's character, His uh, compassion and everything is, you know, God is God is grieved over our sins. Mm-hmm. In that sense, yes, that's true. And that's in Genesis six six. We see when Adam and Eve fall, God is grieved by that, mm-hmm. because I mean, God loves us. So when we do wrong, yes, you know, He's He He feels that grief, uh, and also He delights in obedience and faithfulness. So when we do uh, do according to his will and we follow him he does take delight in that he, t- he delights with us mm-hmm. and and, that, and, that, and you can see examples of that uh, or an example of that in Psalms 37 23 but in that sense you know going back you know our good deeds don't don't bribe him and 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 bringing forth the, oh you know mm-hmm. if I do this God then you'll bring forth the blessing hey you know bribing him no it doesn't work that way 
So that's what we were talking about. But, uh, but you know, kind of like what Greg, Greg was saying earlier uh, in kind of a, you know, a jumping off point for this uh, particular episode that I would like to snag on to a little bit is when the blessing doesn't come right away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, oftentimes blessing doesn't come right away, you know, when we're asking for it. And that doesn't mean stop praying. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean stop communing, communing with God and everything. Well, I'm not getting what I want, so let me, you know, I mean, let me just go over here and, and I'm, you know, whatever, God. And that's not how we're supposed to act. And, you know, Paul mm-hmm. and Cyrus, uh, Silas in prison and mm-hmm. everything, they were, they were praising God and giving joy to him. And, and, so, and, and, you know, and Job himself in the beginning, you know, naked I come, naked, uh, you know, naked I come into the world, naked I'll leave, you know. And he gives praise to God. When David lost his uh, son because of his because of his personal sin, he gave praise to God. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've got to remember that because, you know, even if God doesn't relieve the burden, you know, he will give the trusting sufferer. He will give them song in their heart. He will give them joy in their heart. As Charles uh, uh, Spurgeon said, he said, Any man can sing in the day. It is easy to sing when he can read the notes by daylight, but he is a skillful singer who can uh, sing when there is not a ray of light. Uh, by which to read, you know. Mm-hmm. So sometimes in the darkest moments of our life, God can give us that joy to, to to give praise, to give offering to Him, to to express our love to Him, because you know He is there. You know, when the lights go off, when the lights are on, God is still there. He's still present with us. He's in the valleys as well as as the high points in our life. Well, and you know, again, the blessings that we get don't necessarily always come the way that we expect them to. Or the way that we may see it, it may be through this trial that God is building a a uh, specific a specific reserve within you to be able to minister in a way that otherwise couldn't have been possible. Or it's molding you into a different person. It's giving you a testimony. Everything that happens in our lives builds on our testimony. And how do we react to it? I I know I can look back at things in my life and I can sit here and say, this is how you're supposed to do it. But when I was going through it, that wasn't that wasn't my cry, and it, it was a wake up call. That if nothing else, why didn't I turn to God first? Why did I look to other means instead of to Him? You know, and that that goes back to the in the darkest moment, real people are revealed for what they believe. You know, where do you turn? Do you do you look to? Uh, a bottle? Do you look to uh, a drug? Do you look to um, money? Do you look to possessions? Do you look for feelings? Do you? I mean, where where are you seeking comfort? You know, when those trials come. Just a uh, kind of an interesting side note to point out a little bit, and uh, you know, I didn't notice notice this myself at first, but I think this is, you know, oftentimes uh, critics of the Bible say that uh, you know there there isn't a lot of uh, there's not a lot of thought put into it, or it's not it's not an intellectual thing. But but I, I like to point out, to, and and this one author I was reading, Warren Wiersbe, actually pointed this out, and I think it, uh, it shows that you know when uh, when someone's making an argument in the Bible, there there is there is some intellectual ism behind it. There, there's there's lot there's a logic path and everything, and it's and it's brilliant. And and just to show you this, uh, in in chapter thirty three. When you know when Elihu, I believe it was when Elihu first began his argument or whatever, we see God is gracious. Mm-hmm. So, in a sense, you know, grace, mercy. Uh, in chapter thirty-four through thirty-five, we see God is just. Mm-hmm. And then in uh, 
in chapters 36 and 37, we know we've, 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 what you will see is uh, God is also great and mighty. And, and I like how he builds his argument. He starts with the grace, mm-hmm. and then he shows on one hand you have the grace, you also have the justice. He pulls it together also with, you know, with the great and the mighty, so you see the sovereignty and you see the power. Mm-hmm. He's pulling together all these character traits of God. He's not focusing just on one, but he's pulling them all together to show you the character of God mm-hmm. when he's explaining this to Job. And it, it's it's really beautiful to see that. Yeah, I mean, that, in, in a, a nutshell, that's exactly what we've tried to uh, kind of reveal a lot of times in the podcast and uh, in, in the YouTube videos and everything is that there is not just one side to God, and a lot of people get caught up on that. Mm-hmm. Well... If God is love, then this. Well, yeah, but there's so many other layers to God. Um, it's not just this and that's it. You know, we we can't put God in this in this box and just say, well, that's it. There there are characteristics that we don't even fathom, that we don't even understand. There are levels that we can't even wrap our minds around, and that's kind of really cool. The way that Alehu and how you pointed out that. Elihu didn't just come at it from the one, one-dimensional angle like yeah. the others did, where you've done wrong, punish. You did wrong, punish. He is building a better case to present to Job of uh, using all of the arguments that mm-hmm. they've brought about and build something that shows that God is so much more, God is so much greater than just what we try to put him into. Yeah. Well, he's providing an argument closer to the actual, uh, closer to the character of God exactly. as opposed to, I mean, we've seen karmatic arguments and other things, but he's building one that's, that's scriptural. Exactly. And uh, I have a quote to go with this. It was uh, by Charles H. Spurgeon that, that does focus on the sovereignty of God. And if you have a, uh, please give me a moment of your time, even though <laughs> if you're listening to this, I'm sure you're already doing that. But anyways, and... I had to look it up on my phone, so I apologize for that. But he says, uh, Men will allow God to be everywhere but on his throne. They will allow him to be in his workshop to fashion worlds and make stars. They will allow him to be in, uh, in his armory to dispense his alms and bestow his bounties. They will allow him to, be, uh, him to sustain the earth and bear up the pillars thereof or light the lamps of heavens or roll the waves of the ever-moving ocean. But when God ascends his throne, his creatures then gnash their teeth. And we proclaim an enthroned God and his right to do as he wills in his own, to dispose of his creatures as he thinks well without consulting them in the matter. Then it is at that we are hissed and execrated, and then it is that uh, men turn a deaf ear to us, for God on his throne is not the God they love. But it is God upon the throne that we love to preach. It is God upon his throne whom we must, whom we trust." And that is true. God has to be sovereign in order to offer salvation, and that is an, that's an important aspect of salvation. It takes a sovereign God to offer that to you. It really does. It takes someone that has the authority over you to offer that to you. Mm-hmm. Agree. If you would join us in prayer. Our demonstration, Holy Father, Lord God, uh, we thank you so much for this opportunity again to just dive into your Word and to just. Uh, uh, 
to go deeper and to just share this message today, Lord God. I pray that you would just watch over the community, help it to grow as you would see fit, Lord. And I pray that uh, if there's anybody that has questions, that's just seeking answers, Lord, that they would they would seek it from you, that they would uh, just run after you, God. I pray if anybody doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that this might be the day that they would come to know you, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done and all the many blessings you've given us uh, as as friends and as a community. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to bless us in uh, your holy name we pray. Amen. And now for a proverb. Proverbs chapter 18 verses 21 through 24 uh, read out of the New American Standard Bible. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. The poor man utters supplications, but the rich man answers roughly. A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Well, guys, as always, there are many different ways to get in touch with us. Uh, through our website especially, you'll find Google+, Facebook, Twitter, um, all the wonderful uh, social medias there. Yeah. Yeah, we also have a phone number, and I don't remember it at the moment. So you'll just have to... 816-9 Ripple. That's R-I-P-P-L-E. I apologize, but thanks to Craig, our awesome tech dude of greatness, we now have... Uh, now I remember the number, at least for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, as always, guys, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Look forward to talking with you next time. God bless.